0: the apex church podcast thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed today's message be sure to check out our website at www.apexchurch.org.uk and let us know you've been listening now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today people who's all been at kids camp with yes i don't know if that's the best of my that you see there And um, when we've hardly slept great to see the people who've been at camp great to see my ministry buddy buddy anna where are you now, you might not know, but Anna and I, every two weeks, we go to Binaya, don't And uh, we do chapel together there, and it's been a real privilege over the years to build relationships. She always says, I'm the pastor's assistant. Really, she's the tea to unite and And input for <laughs> the girls as well. And uh, as Neil said, I had the privilege of having Neil, who's my mentor during my ministry, ministerial training. And you know, I have appreciated the encouragement, I've appreciated the input And I still appreciate what Neil puts in my life. Every time that I see him, there's an encouraging word. And it really is a privilege to be here with you this morning. I love your series, God's Got This. Has God got this in your life? You know, when I was thinking about this, it brought me back to a story. Sometimes there's challenge after challenge. Has anybody ever been there? The challenge just keeps increasing. And back in November 2021, just when COVID was happening, I was on my way home and I was driving in the car quite happily and of course I had a pothole. We're good at potholes here, aren't we? And as I had the pothole, I just got feeling, oh, I've been maximizing the speed limit. So let's say we were going 60. And um, uh, I had r- rammed my car over this pothole and I just had that feeling. And I was just, I was an hour from home, I was going to wait a time down into a country lane. It's 6 o'clock in November and I thought I would better stop at the side yeah. and just make sure this tire's okay. Well I got out of the car after I would pulled in to this little um, roadie and of course the tyre was flat. Now what wasn't a problem, I didn't have faced When I was 17 my dad wouldn't have let me drive a car until I knew how to change a tyre. And I changed many tyres at the side of the road so at this point I never thought it was a problem. But I changed my car and they'd introduced out wheel cover things that make it look bonny that you cannot get off. And as I took the pack out from the boot of the car and sat down to get going, I couldn't get. The covers of the wheel nuts off. And I thought, oh, this is no use. So I'll phone the RAC. I didn't want to phone anybody from Facebook because I needed to be in a Zoom call at 8 o'clock. And I thought, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do this. So I phoned the RAC. Phoned the RAC. I says, hi, um, my car's broken down. Could you come and help me? They said, give me your registration number. So I did. And they said, do you realise your car is out of MOT? I said, no, it's not. My is not due to March. No, it ran out in September. Oh, frantically I'm looking through the glove compartment, it ran out in September. And I said, so what does that mean? Well, we can't pick it up. And well, I said, oh, really? <laughs> well, I said, actually, fine. I will go and work out how I'm going to do this. Thank you very much. And hung up the phone and thought, oh. Lord, please help me." So I'm back again at the wheel. I'm trying to change it, and then I thought, Lord, please just send somebody. So this man in a Land Rover that I've never met in my life before, drew up at the side of the road. I thought, Lord, please don't let him be a cycle. <laughs> so, a minute, this man stops and he says, can I help you?" I said, I'm just trying to change my tire. I'm being the female that can do it. And he says, all oh, right, okay, I hope you got on. Thank you, Jovo. You are joking. And then he turned round and he came back and he got oh, his car and he says, can I help? Well, he couldn't get the nuts off either. But he says, I live not far. I'll just go up the road, I'll get um, a pliers and I'll bring one back. And I says, that's great. Five minutes, he's back. We are then both changing the tyre. I didn't stand back and leave him. But anyway, we'll change the tyre. Old one's off, new one's on. Unjack the car. The new tyre is flat. <sighs> I thought you were joking. He says, don't worry. I've got a compressor in my garage up the road. Oh, just drive the car up and we'll get it blown up. Okay. Large you've got this. Please don't let it be a psycho. So I turned my car round and drove into his L-shaped drive. As I drove into his L-shaped drive, I turned my car at the top because I wanted to be able to get away. (laughs) He drove in behind me and blocked the car. And I thought, now this is not so good. Anyway, he had these big shed doors and as he drew the doors back, it was like something out of a movie scene. There were things hanging on the roof that could do damage
1: to me and he switched
0: the compressor on and i thought oh lord i've been reading elizabeth elliott's book and how she'd overcome so many things in africa and here was me in the northeast of scotland in the countryside feeling like i had the same challenges and i marked my roof if i needed to get away quickly and i thought oh lord you've got to help me here the compressor was ready to blow up my tyre. He blew up my tyre, I said thank you very much, he moved his car, and I went. And I am so thankful that God had got that. Sometimes there are days when things just go wrong again and again and again, and you can't get out of the bit. But sometimes there are years where things go wrong. Again and again and again. The same God that gets us through the 24 hours will get us through the decade, the decades of hardship. You know when Daniel called and asked if I'd come and share, I had already journaled earlier that month from the life of Joseph. And when he, when the phone call came, I really felt that this was the message that I was to share this morning. So forgive me that Pastor Neil has already spoken on Joseph. but I am believing that God has given this word for today. I just want to pray before we start. Lord, I thank you that you have got this. Lord, as we come round your word just now, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open to receive from you. Lord, I pray that our ears should be ready to listen. And Lord, in this room today, I ask that you would have your way. Amen. I want to start at Genesis 41 today, going from verse 46, if you've got your Bibles. And it says this in verse 46, Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, Pharaoh, King of Egypt. He's 30 at this point. We know that he'd been 17 when he was first taken captive. And 13 years later, here he is, standing before Pharaoh. I can just imagine the disbelief. (laughs) Joseph left Pharaoh's presence and travelled throughout the land of Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced outstanding harvests. Joseph gathered all the excess food in the land of Egypt during the seven years and put it on the cities. He put food in every city from the fields around it. So Joseph stored up grain in such abundance, like the sand of the sea, that he stopped measuring it because it was beyond measure. Two sons were born to Joseph before the years of famine arrived. So before Joseph was 37, he had two sons. Asnath, daughter of Puthira, priest at Oim, bore them to him. And in verse 51 it says this, Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh and said, God has made me forget all my hardships and my whole family the second son he named Ephraim and said God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction Uh God has made Uh me Uh God has made me that's what stood out when when I started to read that, do you remember the song years ago, this is for the people who are older than me, when we used to sing he has made me glad he has made me glad, I will rejoice for he has made me Glad, Do you know, we believe that God has made us, don't we? We believe, as Daniel read from Psalm 139 this morning, that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. He's made us. He hasn't just made us physically. He's also made us with a plan. We quote Jeremiah 29, 11 all the time, don't we? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper me, not to harm me. Plans to give me a hope and a future. But here, Joseph, after 13 years of being a slave, and a servant declares at this point in his life that God has made me forget all my hardships. What a statement. God has made me forget all my hardships. Have you forgotten your hardships? Or do you focus on them? You know, when I think, hindsight's a great thing, isn't it? When you look back, I think about the 20-year-old me. And Jean and Alan Gardner are here this morning. So you will remember the days in Borden. But let me take you back to a very young 22-year-old. I had just graduated from teaching college. I was ready to be a teacher. I had prayed and fasted about um, the path to go. And I believed that God had called me in that profession. But as we went to August that year after I graduated, I had no job. But my dad had an insurance office. So there was always a place to work. It was always a temptation to go back to the default. But I believed that God had got a plan for me. So I had applied for various jobs, but I was so quiet and I was so shy. And that's so difficult to believe at this point in time. <laughs> I understand that. God changes people. But there's still this shy girl is still in here at times. Afterwards, when I was very quiet, I was very shy, I didn't interview well. I found myself in August working in my dad's office. Do you know, as I was there, I was on the supply list, and I began praying and fasting about the Lord opening a door for me. And as I prayed and fasted one Tuesday evening, I remember receiving a phone call from the head teacher at Borden, And she says, hi Lisa, we have an opening for a nursery teacher. Would you be willing to come? I says, yes, that would be great. But she says, it's only part time. I thought, oh only in the afternoons i thought that's fine we'll work in the mornings we'll go there in the afternoons as i drove into Bodham, i would never been in boredom in my life as i drove into Bodham and kind of stalked out the village i thought well this is new and uh, went into school it was nice people and i left that day and i said lord if you would like me to work here please open a door for me. well the week hadn't finished and the headteacher came through to me and she says lisa we have an opening in primary six a challenging class, she said. But we'll help you. But I had prayed and God had opened the door. She'd already seen what I was like in an interview, so when I went for the interview, she kind of coached me through so that I managed to, to do well. I got the job in October 1998. My life changed forever. I used to love teaching. <laughs> I now dislike teaching. <laughs> I now felt like children had become possessed (laughs) and did things that they never told you that they would do when I was turning to be a teacher. And you know, the 22 young, very vulnerable, unexperienced person didn't quite know how to deal with a very challenging bunch of young people. And you know, I, in October, it was very optimistic. By December, I was glad it was the holidays. And by January, I thought, how many days have I got left? And the only reason that I kept on going was I knew that God had planted me there. I knew that God had opened the door, and I knew that God had given me the job. So it didn't matter how much I disliked it. It didn't matter how overwhelmed I felt. I knew that God had planted me in this place. And you know, I went in day after day. Do you know, it's the first year... I wasn't going to say this, but I've started. Anyway, <laughs> the school's never used to shut for snow. I said to my pastor in February, on Sunday night, I said, Jim McLeod, I'm, I'm praying for snow tomorrow, because the Lord knows my cry. I'm praying that I'm home in my house. It was the first time the school had ever shut for snow. We got four days off, and I was rejoicing. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, real filling um, down. Anyway... I survived the first year, so did the children, (laughs) but you know my four years in modern were absolutely priceless because I learned how to do the job. I was surrounded by great practitioners who were equipped, who encouraged. In that time, in that four years, I found my voice and I went from being a very quiet, shy girl who was able to stand up for herself, who was able to teach well, who no longer was overwhelmed by the situation. And as much as I had prayed myself into that job, I also prayed that the Lord would remove me when the time was right. And four years after that, after the church had came and said, Lisa, would you consider being our kids Pastor, at that time the head teacher came in and says we're losing a teacher, and of course last in first out, and I had to go. You know, as I went from there, from boredom School, and I went into Fraserburgh, and I started being the kids' pastor, continuing the kids' ministry that I had been running. There wasn't one child that ever faced me, because I'd faced everything I needed there to face in you And you know something? I went from forgetting the hardship. To remember what God had done in my life, and it's so important that we forget the hardship. You know, Joseph was one of those that forgot the hardship. I don't think that happened overnight. I think it was a continual choice of how he was how he was living, as he was a slave, as he was a servant, that he made the choice to continually work hard. He made the choice to continually be selfless. He wasn't doing it for his gain. And yet at the same time he was leading small groups. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Insignificant small groups. Because he was in charge when he was a slave, and he was in charge when he was a servant. And nobody knew what he was going. He didn't go um, through. He didn't focus on his hardship. He forgot his hardship. He was also somebody who was willing. You see, when you read the story before Genesis 41, The cupbearer had had a dream interpreted by Joseph. We know that, don't we? And he had been elevated back into Pharaoh's palace. And he said, I will remember you. But he did not. He forgot him. And Joseph, when they had called up and said, the cupbearer says, you can interpret dreams. He could have said, I'm not doing it because you forgot me for two years. Why on earth should I step up to the plate? How often do we miss the opportunities that God has got for us? Because we can't get out of our own way. Because we think, I've been forgotten. You are never forgotten in God's eyes. God always knows you. He always knows where you're at. His timing is always perfect. We have to stop getting in the way of what God has got for us. And we've got to be willing when the call comes, not in our time, but in his time, to step up and to step out. He was also somebody who chose, through the hardship, to forgive continually. He forgave his brothers. He forgave Pharaoh's wife. Oh, the first wife, sorry. And he also forgave the cupbearer. He made a choice. And at this point in Genesis 41, he's no idea how the story will end. He doesn't know how it will turn out. He hasn't met his brother. She doesn't know who's still alive. But he chose to forget his hardship. Do you know, God made me, he said. God made me forget my hardship. I believe that man makes us focus on the hardship how are you being sculpted is god making you or is man making you you see if he was man made he would have focused on the bitterness he would have focused on the injustice he would have focused on the lack of opportunity he would never have seen the amazing things that god had planned for him so the first thing is that god made him forget then he goes on and he has another son with at least nine months of a gap here. He's between the age of 31 and 37. And this son is born and he calls him Ephraim. Ephraim in Hebrew means twice fruitful. He says, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. This really stood out to me. My question to you this morning is, has God made you fi- fruitful? Fruitful. In the land of your affliction do you know joseph at this point in time it's all going well the barons are full he now has a second son and he's declaring in the land that he personally undeservingly experienced so much harvest hardship sorry that god made him fruitful matthew i'm going to need your help at this point Now, I have two types of plants with me. Not because I work with kids, but because I need to show you something. This here is a plastic plant, and uh, it's got nice little purple bits on it here. I've just put it here in the down. Now this here, I'm very proud of this. This here, does anybody know what it is? Ah. What do oh. No, it is a lemon plant. I know. And uh, I'm doing this because if you rub the leaves, you actually can smell lemons. I don't know about you during COVID, but I did lots of things that I hadn't done before. Anybody else like that? <coughs> it just gave opportunity for that. And between myself and my dad, we were like experiencing, have you planted this? Have you planted that? And uh, we took to planting anything that you could eat really. So uh, apples, kiwis, <laughs> lemons. And this was planted in 2020. And you know, this tree used to be this size. But you see, this is a God-made plant. This is a man-made plant. This here is not perfect. It's not symmetrical. It survived the winter in my house, so the leaves are slightly dull down here. I I know what you're thinking. This plant is perfect. It's man-made. There are thousands of these, I imagine. It will never grow. Uh It will never produce flowers. But looks good. Uh Sometimes I believe that we, if we have an option in our life, go for what man wants. Uh Man made. Perfection. Uh It doesn't grow. It doesn't breathe. And it doesn't produce anything. This here has been on the go for three years. It breathes. God is making it grow and it also is going to produce fruit and Joseph at this point in time, he says that God has made him fruitful. Which one would you choose? Do you want to be God made or do you want to be man made? Because we have a choice. God made does not always look the way we think it should. It doesn't always look perfect. It takes time. It says it'll take five years for this plant to produce any fruit. That's five years of sitting in my windowsill, five years of remembering to water it, five years of it getting in the way because I keep moving it from place to place. But five years is going to produce fruit. It's worth the wait. Do you know, would Joseph have experienced all that he had, all that God had got for him if he'd chosen the man-made option to sulk? to do his own thing, to let unforgiveness get in the way. But I believe that Joseph chose the God-made option. I was reading a book a few years ago by one of my good friends, Jane Mersham. Remember Jane from AOG? She was the um, administrator and we took many adventures together at that time. She wrote a book back in 2020 that says Adventure Awaits. And in that book, she she was writing about a story and she said this, she says, nothing grows on the mountain Job. Everything grows in the valley. And as Joseph declared there that he had made him fruitful in the land of my affliction. Um, The fruitfulness often comes the growth when you're in the valley, doesn't it? And you know this verse stood out to me so much because in my life, I'm somebody that God has made fruitful in the land of my affliction. I spoke about my 20s there and the, the hardships that I had when I was a teacher. And I had forgotten all that. And as I started off life as a kids pastor, I believed that God had given me a vision for 400 kids. The church filled front and back. I'd never seen nothing like it in my life. I hadn't seen Bill Wilson. We weren't tapping into that. We were going along as I'm making it up and following what I felt the Lord was saying to me. I and mean, you know, I remember our kids club exploded. I remember 200 kids coming in. we started with nine kids, and we got to 200 kids. But you know, as much as you can be involved in ministry and God's doing things, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy he? But he can't give us life and life to the And I'll never forget sitting in the Solid Rock Cafe. I said, Daniel, big part of the Solid Rock Cafe, And I remember sitting there one day, sitting on the sofas at the back, (coughs) this guy came up to me and he says, Lisa, I want to ask you forgiveness. And I just looked at him with that teacher stare that I had learned. I was married at the time and he had gone through Teen Challenge. And after a number of years, he had gone back on drugs. And the guy that was asking for forgiveness was the guy that was instrumental in him going back on the drugs. And I remember when he asked that question, I just looked at him. And in my head, I said, Lord, are you joking? Uh-huh. You see, it's great when it's somebody else's story. Yeah, yeah. But when it's it you are doing, and when it's your story, yeah, uh, yeah. you have a choice to make. Yeah. And this guy's mouth kept talking, and my mind was having a conversation with the Lord. And I came to the verse when we read about Peter and he says how many times should we forgive somebody Lord? And Jesus said 70 times 7. And as I sat in that sofa my hopes and dreams were shattered. I had no idea how the story would end. But I knew that that moment I had a choice to make and God gives us choices. You see God's got this But have we got him? Because in that moment, I believed that God had 400 kids for the kids in Fraserburgh. I believed that God had a plan and purpose for my life. I believed that he was with me and he was for me. But I also knew that my life was in an absolute shambles where I was at at the moment. And I remember sitting at the edge of that sofa. And I turned to the guy and I says, I do forgive you. Do you know, that guy continued to sell drugs. That guy continued to cause chaos in my world. But that day I learned a very important lesson. That I couldn't allow my hardships to determine where I was going. And in what turned out not to be eight weeks, or eight months, but eight and a half years of hardship. Eight and a half years of not knowing the end Eight and a half years of saying, God has got this. Eight and a half years of knowing that if I just stood the path and stayed the path, that God had got a great future for me. You see, at times, in the hardest moments of our life, I believe that the enemy is trying to take us out so we can never get to our future. He's taking us out because there's great things planned. The Bible tells us that. But how often can we, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the hurt, in the midst of what seems to be forever going on and we don't know how it ends, how often can we get lost? Do you know, Joseph is a great example to me because he kept on going. I believe that God made Joseph focus on his future. It says in Genesis 39, doesn't it? That the Lord was with Joseph. If he is for you, who can be against you? It's not about what's happening to you. It's about who is with you. It says in Genesis 45, it says there that God, that Joseph, when he met his brothers, this is after he had a Manasseh, where he says, God made me forget. Where he had an Ephraim, But he says, God made me fruitful. He's turning to his brothers, who he has forgiven. And he turns and he says, God sent me here. God sent me here. Do you believe that God has sent you here? Do you believe that God has sent you to the northeast for this time, for his purpose? I believe that God has sent each one of you here. And if he's sent you here, he's got great purpose for you. Do you know I remember discovering Romans 8 28? Do you know what that verse says? Remember discovering it as a teenager. All things work together for good. For those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Do you know, I have been in church. I, I share a little bit online. Excuse me. Um about the ministry journey more than anything isn't it danielle and I, I gave my life to the lord when i was nine but you know what nine years old i truly believe that god had a plan and a purpose for my life uh-huh. is that your story yeah. do you believe that god's got a plan and a purpose for your life because you see when that's the foundation that you build your life upon whatever comes your way you just got to hold on you just got to believe that God has got you. As Joseph was focused on his future, I believe that we have got to focus on the future that God has got for us. Do you know, I've had many trials in my life, and I'm sure if I was to go around the room, you've had many trials in your life, haven't you? Some are harder than others, aren't they? What do you say when the trials come? One more story that I just want to share with you. This morning you see as much as my 20s I, I learned a lot and then in my 30s my 30s were challenging years and then I got into my forties, <coughs> and I remember the verse that came at that point from Joel that I will restore the years that the locust has eaten and I clung on to that and I believed that and I it started a new decade and I, I was beginning to see God's blessing on my life and I remember and May. 2018, running a marathon, which was a miracle in itself. <laughs> and uh, I ran the marathon. I enjoyed the running. I had a great time um, during the marathon. And uh, six months later, a virus hit my body. 2019, 18 in November, I couldn't get out of my bed. I couldn't walk. Couldn't never mind run. And I remember at that point in time, having lived through so much hard times, lying in my bed, sickened. God, this can't be my story.
1: Have
0: you ever been there? God, this can't be my story. Do you know one week turned into three weeks? Three weeks of pain not being able to move, three weeks of pain not being at church. i would never not been at church in my life at that point people threw all kind of diagnosis at me. Told them I could have cancer, told them I could have Crohn's disease, told them I could have rheumatoid arthritis. And I remember not googling one of them because God had got this. And you know in the pain, and I, I was, it was different from the 30s because I had no idea why this had happened. Have you ever been there? No idea why this has happened. And I remember having to push in spiritually to a different level. Because in the pain, it was so difficult to focus on the Lord. In the pain, I just wanted healing, just like that. Three weeks turned into two months. And in that three months, in the two months, Psalm 23 became so, so precious when David says the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Sometimes we've got to get out of our own way, haven't we? I had to get out of my own way and I remember sitting and digging in the word of God. That verse says he leads me by the still water and he restores my soul. Do you know in two months, that's what the Lord did. My friend says, "God benched you. Get over it." That was what what I got from one of my friends. Do you know there's purpose in everything? And I had very precious two months with the Lord. I'll never forget coming back into church, and it was um, Pastor Danny Murphy's leaving night. I'm sure many of you was there. Hadn't been in church for two months at that point. I came into church and sat probably where Daniel was in Fraserburgh. And um, they started singing a song I don't know. How annoying is it when they sing songs you don't know? I was standing there. I have not been here for two months. Are you joking? And as I stood there, my attitude was awful. I was like, have I been here You're singing songs you don't know? I don't even feel like I belong. Ever been there? Um, Foster. And I remember vividly, Having to make a choice. Having to make a choice to hope again. Having to make a choice to believe again. It was painful to even do this at this point. And I remember standing in the front row and having to just to feel that all the negativity all the rubbish, all the things that could get in the way. And as I stood there Lord, here I am. Heal me felt the power of God put upon my body like never before, and God healed me that night. But I was scared to tell anybody, in case it wasn't right. <laughs> Just being real, God had got this. Do you know, in that January the 6th, I remember the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon my body, and I said to Ben before I left us up, I think I think I'm healed. But let me tell you
1: tomorrow. <laughs> but I went home
0: and I slept. And the pain never returned <coughs> to my body. Oh, Lord, Lord. I am so thankful that I forgot the hardship and I didn't focus on the hardship. And you know what amazes me now is that we read and Pastor Neil quotes this verse a lot, Genesis fifty, verse twenty that what you meant to harm me, God has meant for good. Do you know, it's 16 years since I had the forgiveness conversation in that coffee? When Joseph quotes that verse, it's 17 years after he's met his brother. 17 years has passed, and then Joseph says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Do you know, if you are going through the hardship just now, can you imagine where you'll be in 17 years' time? Can you imagine where God can take you? You see, I look back 16 years ago, when everything fell apart and I had no idea how it would would work out. Can I personally testify to this? That what I went through, God is using now every single day. What I went through, and the hardship, and the pain, and the understanding how how what can happen to you in life, I see that I'm working at that every single day now.
1: And I couldn't do what I
0: do now if I hadn't gone through what I went through then. And I can say today that God had me. God had got this. And I want to encourage you, wherever you're at today, not to give up. Don't focus on the hardships. Forget the hardships and see the purpose. Don't allow yourself to be man-made in this picture-perfect world that we are encouraged to live in, where everything looks right. This will never grow. It will never produce fruit. But when you forget your hardships, I believe that God can make each and every one of us fruitful in the land of our affliction when we focus on the future. You know, unforgiveness can stop us in our tracks. Unforgiveness can stop God doing in your life what he had for you. And I really felt challenged today. I don't share that story a lot. But I felt challenged today because I believe in this room unforgiveness is stopping some people from experiencing all that God has got for. And just where you're at just now, can I ask you to close your eyes? I'm going to ask the band just to to lead us in worship just in a minute. But as we've been in God's house today, I believe it's time to forget the hardships. Hardships that's knocked you down, time to get up. Hardships that have hardened your heart, it's time to forgive. Hardships that's maybe made, made you question your faith, it's time to make that right. And just where you're at just now, I'm going to pray in a minute. When I was preparing this message, I felt the Lord gave me this picture in here as somebody, maybe it's more than one person, feels that it's almost like there's a wrecking ball going at them in every angle, trying to knock them off, trying to knock them down. And I want to say today that the Lord says, that he will carry you through but you've got to jump into his arms for him to do that you've got to jump into a new level of trust you've got to jump in a new level believing that God has got you and that wrecking ball will not manage to harm you Lord as we are in your house this morning Lord as we can take encouragement from the story of Joseph and all that you did in his life and how you've seen him through so much. Lord, I pray for each and every person in this room. Lord, for those who are in the valley just now. Lord, I ask that you would strengthen them. Lord, that they wouldn't focus on the hardships, but Lord, that they would focus on you. And Lord, focus in the future and all that you've got for Lord, I pray for anybody struggling with unforgiveness at this time. Lord, I pray, supernaturally, that you would give them the strength to forgive those who have done wrong against them. And Lord, that we would live knowing that whatever our circumstances, in the mountain or the valley, that we would live knowing that you have got us. Amen.